Welcome to House Comblood, where strangers are family. Every episode contains graphic content, including but not limited to copious amounts of blood, unnecessary cursing, death of all ages, be they infants or immortals, fantasy drug use, nudity, mentions of sex, and sound effects of various qualities. We cannot stress enough that this is mature content with adult themes. You have been warned. I hope you're ready. Welcome to House Comblood. I'm your uh, DM and host, Gray, and I'm here with our players. Uh, Cupcake. Hello, everybody. I play Mavet Sohafidash, a druid spore-wielding barbarian. Uh, as well as Mega. Jada, I am Mega, and uh, I play Eddie, the Otterboy Triton Bastard class. Uh, and I also play Eddie, his most faithful and longest companion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I'm also here joined by uh, Aluya. Hello, Nita here. I play Aluya Oblak, and she is a human cleric sorcerer. And finally, uh, Moo. Hi, my name is Moomin. I play a fire genasi alchemist named Seer, who likes to always be on fire, or they're born like that. Whatever you want to pick. Yes, so uh, we're starting up our new campaign. We just, or not new campaign, new uh, season after uh, everything that's happened with uh, Shayam. Our heroes are prisoners of a uh, ship and they have been uh, sent out with uh, invisible collars that will kill them if they're disobedient to their taskmasters. They were asked to go to a city named Shayam that was being controlled by a emotional vampire and his slime mimic. They were told that they need to clear up the supply route to fuel the war in Adontis, where humans and elves are going head-to-head for uh, the elven territory to the east. Our heroes went through uh, a lot of ups and downs facing uh, such creatures such as uh, Nabiku, which is a, a monster that keeps being reborn as well as uh, multiple slime creatures in the city. Through and through, they took out the fat sacks in each part of the town until they brought this mimic to its knees, to which uh, one of our players befriended and named him Happy. Ending off our uh, season, we captured the main culprit, Thimreth, Exultria. As prisoner, he was brought back to the houses to uh, face judgment for his crimes, and our heroes are traveling to the east to Findle. But along the way, one of our players, Aluya, got entrapped by favor, as well as uh, Seer, to make a stop at a cottage along the way. I kind of want to start off with a campfire scene between everyone. So we see this campfire. You guys have been traveling for about a week now. All of you guys staring at this fire. Cupcake, as the camera pans from the flickering fire, what does 
at sea. While watching the flickering fire, small, small embers, barely, barely keeping warmth, are inside of Mavet's mind. He's been thrown into this new world, realm, universe, he can't quite say. But the more time he spends here and the more he looks into the fire, it seems that the coals in his mind are beginning to warm. He sees many flashes of fire. It doesn't seem to be reflecting from the, the campfire itself, but they're screaming as well. He can't quite piece the pictures together, but he also feels a strong affinity to learn more about the nature of this planet. Like it, it seems, seems to be, is it talking to him? Is it coaxing him in? It seems familiar, yet so alien at the same time. He ponders this. Does he say anything during the campfire? Well, he's lost in thought, now trying to piece together these shattered, burning memories of his. He's looking at his other, well, would he call these team? A team? Friends? Many? He doesn't know because he has not seen these types of people before, but when he when he arrived in Sham, to which he doesn't even recall how, at first they weren't too friendly, but then they let out a hand to have them join them. So he feels safe, but he's still on edge of, will these ones also add to the memories of the embers in his mind? <laughs> All right. Mega, as we see the contemplating face of a fucking tree. <laughs> what do we see right next to the tree? Well, maybe not so much next to the tree, because uh, all things considered, like, uh, might actually be using that tree as, like, uh, as a lean support. <laughs> but, um, but you will see a, uh, an, an, uh, an otter boy. It's like, uh, brown fur, black eyes. So, uh, you think he is, like, somewhere around five foot nine, but, uh, it's a bit difficult to actually get a accurate reading on his height because he's always slouching. Uh, he uh, he is often seen wearing uh, like a, just like some loose slacks as well as some uh, a uh, a button up that is like virtually always open. It's like uh, mm. revealing some of like the uh, the piercings that he keeps like on him on his body, apart from the ones that you can already see on uh, his uh, ears and lip. It's, uh, and yeah, I imagine him just kind of like a, like using a Mavet as like a, a leaning post as he is uh, gripping in one hand this uh, what can best be described as a golden vape pen. <laughs> as uh, he is just like uh, relaxing the evening with a smoke. And uh, that smoke even kind of like uh, billows around him a bit and sometimes taking shape. And if you look closely enough, maybe even a pair of, uh, of uh, eyes can be seen within the eddy also known as eddy during this time just chilling out vibing by the campfire does eddie have a fun story that he shares with the party uh you know dudes it's like a way back at home there's like a bunch of wood elves right and uh you're not gonna believe it but like sometimes they would like burn stuff and make a ton of smoke but not because to like cook or anything like that or even just like you know like burn something that would, they were trying to get rid of like nah nah they'd like try to use that smoke to communicate like communicate with higher beings isn't that just wild 
I expect a response from Avet after each story. Sorry, my audio cut out for the last 30 seconds. Oh my god, of course, convenient excuse. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> All right. Going from uh, Mega and telling this uh, story, uh, we look towards uh, Aluya Oblock. Uh, Nita, what do we see? Uh, you'll see a woman uh, in her early 20s. She's got long salmon-colored hair and that goes white at the tips. She carries around her shield with the symbol of her god, Aeolus, which is an albatross. In uh, a lightning storm, um, he would be taking this time, just kind of taking everything in and enjoying the company of the people she's around. She doesn't have many friends, and this is something new for her. Yeah, as she's looking into this fire, and you hear uh, Eddie going on about his story. Do you have one yourself? Yeah. Uh, thank you for the story, Eddie. Uh, well, you know, what I miss, uh, aside from the ocean, uh, where I come from, there is a forest called the Azure Forest. It is beautiful. Uh, and I like spending my time there, hiding, finding critters, and enjoying my time. The trees there are Azure Blue, and they are massive, like several hundreds of feet tall. Mavet would be happy there. <laughs> Mavet? Swear to God, if you tell me your audio cut out for 30 seconds, I'm going to bitch slap you. Eagleheimer. You know, it sounds like those trees would make, like, a great place for the giant apes. After Aluya, we see the camera pan again, and I want to imagine this pivot being centered around the fire, so we always see the flickering flame. Moo, what do we see? As you said, a flickering flame, only instead of being... Attached to the campfire, it is attached to a, I would say, to give like easy description, a coal skin woman. They are not too tall, but taller than most people. And one thing that most people would not realize about them is just the fact that they are not dressed like normal people with like, you know, garbs, tunics, and other things. Like, it seems as if they have a jumpsuit of some sort that seems to be built specifically for them and after many times they have told the party it was mainly due to the fact that their body is intensely hot so things would eventually char or burn especially because of the hair but other things to indicate too that you would see behind is that their skin crackles and breaks as if it has little bits of glowing fires within them kind of like if you imagine burning brimstone or maybe little lava ring lines like Lava Girl from Lava Girl and Shark Boy. Okay, maybe in reverse, but yes. But yeah! The uh, main indicator that you would see, those that they are, in one of the rarest times, sitting down relaxing with, the ha- with their weird brooched little hat on the side, their alchemist jug on their left opened up, smelling of booze, and they're just kind of like staring at the fire, listening to everybody's stories with their intensely glowing hair that always kinds of waves and flickers Mm. yeah what kind of story does seer share interesting enough seer would actually explain something similar to what they heard from eddie and aluya although they might make a comic going like speaking of giants where i'm from used to be a settlement for 
what you named frost giants that have, well, been slain by a calamity, as you would call it, but by my watchers would be more accurate. And it is a strange place. There are lots of large structures hereabout, but we all live there as a half a community of my people. Although, Eddie, when you mentioned such a thing as a campfire speaking with their higher beings above, strangely, I am not afraid to say this, but we also, my kind, will use the fires to communicate from one another from long distances. Very convenient. We call it Kindle. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's sick, bruh. There's just so many different ways for smoke to keep us all connected, you know? Indeed. I kind of want to imagine, as you guys are sharing this moment by the fire, I, I want to imagine nearby, not too far away, is a fellow that looks like uh, Steve Buscemi in a nice uh, blue cloak, I would say. And he just watches you all as you talk. And this would be the taskmaster of the group, Gene Lebon. Throughout the days of travel, you guys have not really talked so much to him. In fact, it was just like it was in Sham. Like sometimes you would look the other way and he'd just up and disappear. Now... I kind of want to imagine, like, uh, as you, your guys' stories come to an end, we see, like, uh, a focus onto uh, the fire as it begins to smolder and die until it's cinder and ash. And we move on to the next day. And I kind of want to go over the week's travel up till now. We left off on you guys leaving the gate and going east towards uh, uh, Findle, or I should say uh, northeast. As you guys uh, travel along the road, what does each one of your guys' characters do to keep yourselves entertained along the way? What are some downtime activities you guys engage in along the way? Secretly trying to break out of these collars for our good friends. Except for Mavet, because Mavet's a tree. Yeah, you, you mind telling me a little bit about these collars? Yes! They are horrific collars. They are invisible to most people. But with the right kind of magic, you could see that it covers the neck, both wrists and ankles. And they have many enchantments and many, many, many deadly things about them, such as, well, speaking the command word would kill people normally. Something else, too, is that it always reshapes with your body, depending on who created them, since they need to have seen the creature to have attached it to them. And... Worst off, besides the changing shape with your body, the thing that makes them very, very annoying is the fact that it is not one enchantments, but maybe six enchantments in one that we have to kind of puzzle around. Hmm. All right. So just like before, I allow you guys to focus on one thing. Uh, what do you guys focus on with these shackles during these travel? Well, we have proven... That Atticus was able to escape. Atticus was a party member that was our long-range druid who shot a lot of people with their nice, beautiful gun. It looked like a dinosaur hunter. Mm -hmm. But basically, we already figured out that if you look like something else, you can escape. So in the free time, whenever we have privacy, I, th I imagine Sierra would approach Eddie and Aluya trying to solve who to prioritize since Seer actually has a solution. Oh, you do. Do tell, do tell. Secret secrets are no fun. So ultimately, 
Seer was able to brew a, I would say, a horrific potion because it's made from the corpses of people. But mm. it is corpse brew, and they found one that allows one to shrink. Okay. So, with the ability to possibly shrink, we would just need to be able to disable the shackle with the transmutation on it so that it can't reshape with the body, and the person who drinks the potion can just slip right out of them. Okay, okay. But the problem is, I only have one potion. Mm-hmm. So, it is a very important question to have. Who do we use it for? Yeah. Well, I think it would be either you or Eddie. You two seem to have the most uh, capabilities, so I will stick with that. Well, I could definitely tell you this is that if I do get out, I could possibly make more. But it's not something I take pleasure in doing. However, let's discuss. Let's figure out after the cause. Eddie, do you have a theory on how to escape your own? Because we should prioritize those that can't leave theirs higher. I might be the highest on the list, but if you can't, I would give it to you instead. I mean, like, I might have a way. It's just, like, we're not really in the right setting for it. So, well, like, you know how, like, uh, sometimes, like, uh, like, sometimes I'm here and sometimes Eddie's over there. And then we're suddenly where the other one was. Yes. It's like, I think maybe, like, I could possibly, like, use that, but, like... Like, the conditions need to be right, you know? But I, I think that's, like, a possibility. And then the kind of looks over to uh, Aluya. But, like, especially if you can't think of anything that you can, like, do, like, maybe you should be the one to have it. Well, I can dispel something, but I don't know what to dispel. In this case, Aluya, you would have to dispel the shackleweed identified that morphs with the body. Because once you do... The potion would make you small, smaller than the shackles. I will say in my end then, if we have to decide on things. So, Eddie, you don't have to worry about the potions too much, do you? Uh, so, even if there wasn't a potion, like, I'm pretty much a go-with-the-flow kind of guy. I only ask is because if you have a way to escape, I'm going to let you do that. In my end, though, I sadly do not. However, I do al also do not have the capabilities of removing effects on things, which is what you have, Aluya. That's why I'm more comfortable if you were the one to be released, because, you know, you make the potions and you're smart. You know what to do. It also means that if I could help break you out of the shackles sooner, it might be more possible since I might be able to break it from another way. But for now, I think that's a smart plan. We just... Go ahead, go ahead. What do you guys plan to do then? So, specifically, Aaliyah can cast a spell twice. Okay. And Eddie, um, we need to take down the transmutation as well. So that's the first shackle. But what's the other shackle we need to take down? Or is uh, it the only one? No. Uh, there's the necromancy, the conjuration, the divination, the transmutation, the illusion. Well, illusion doesn't do anything. I'm assuming the conjuration is the thing that kind of like keeps it around us. Mm -hmm. necromancy i'm not too worried about because if you slip out you're okay um it's the transmutation and conjuration that we have to worry about so the right foot and the right hand right so and if we are able to dispel those i could pop out although we don't know what will happen because it's very well could be really bad repercussions if i take off the collar completely and ignoring the necromancy one yeah but i think I'm, but i'm tanky enough hopefully chugs potion 
Out of fear. <laughs> All right. So that's a plan. Dispel right hand. Uh, dispel right foot. Um, Dispel right foot and right hand. Yep. All right. So uh, paint the scene for me. So All right. um, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. You first because you got the plan. Oh, please. Just me first. I'll be great. Go for it. <laughs> no, fucking just say it. What the hell are you plan to do? Basically, with the help of Aluia, basically Cyril put their right hand out first and then their right foot beside it. And then just kind of look to them waiting to see if with the potion on their other hand ready to drink. Okay. So they're just waiting on Aluia's signal. Okay. Aluia, flavor up the spell. Uh, she will, before she starts, she'll give a, a, a seer a really hard look, like, let this work, please. And then she'll focus and she'll train on the right hand, right foot, trying to dispel the magic within. And what you'll see is kind of the air around seer kind of flutter and this salmon color, like, uh, mist forms around each shackle to try and dispel it. Okay. Also to clarify, I would like to cast Detect Magic before this so that I could see if the shackles have been I would say nulled for a short period of time. Yeah. So you see as she casts a Dispel Magic we see the shackle around the right wrist and uh, the right ankle. Uh, what colors would they appear in your mind? Like, is it by school for you, or is it just, like, a glow? It is by school. Okay. So, uh, tell me the colors that would be for Conjuration and, uh, Conjuration Transmutation. Well, what colors would that be for you? Let's see. So, for Transmutation, it specifically would be orange. And for Conjuration, yellow. Mmm. Okay. I like that. All right. So we see the lights dim until they become dull and no longer having any light to them. And you see around uh, your collar, like uh, that also, even though it wasn't directed at it, you see it also begins to dim, but blink. It seems like you have a window to work with. How, how well do you set this up? Because you said you're going to cast Detect Magic uh, before this starts? Yeah. Okay, before it starts... Dispel magic. You're about to drink the potion. Yeah. Now I'll give it to you. No need to make a check for that. I was going to see if you could uh, drink the potion in time. Because I feel like your setup's pretty good. Narrate how you get out of the shackles. So, seers taking the moment, right when they see the time is right, will begin to drink this strange, clear potion with a red dot in the middle of it. And they just kind of chug it down as fast as they can. And then once they do, Eddie and Aluya and Mavet will see Seer drink. It is slow at first, but then it starts rapidly making them get to even smaller size. Tell they are the size of a Barbie doll. Or, in a sense, maybe a pixie or whatever small creatures that exist in your world. Gray, but Seer is no longer a 5'7", you know, feet woman. They are a Maybe a six-inch woman now. Tiny. Okay. So let, let's get one thing straight. There's Funko Pops in the world, all right? Yeah. So we'll start off with that. Yeah. There's Funko Pops, and that's about the size that you're about. Um, and yes, we see the shackles 
click off as they no longer detect your light and they are now open. Congratulations. Another one of you have gotten out of the shackles. Here's the repercussion that I need to know. Is it a normal potion of diminution or potion of shrinking? Or is it kind of like as extreme as the last potion I had where it has longer term effects? Oh, just like uh, that potion, it's a little bit more long term. Can you roll me a uh, 1d4, please? Let me do that. Mm-hmm. Oh. And you rolled a four. <laughs> yeah. Um, this might uh, last for four days. <laughs> I mean, that's a problem for me, but oh, sh- that's 100% more effect. No, that's a thousand times more effective than the actual original potion. Oh, shit. You know, part of me just really wants Aluya to just go over, pick Seer up, and then put her in her chest pocket. And I'm not talking about her shirt. <laughs> Goddamn. She looked over to uh, to Eddie. So, like, does she become bigger yet? What do we do with her? I don't know. You got a pocket? Yeah, sure. But uh, what if she becomes bigger in my pocket? I don't think I'll be bigger in your pocket super easily. But... Is she talking? I can't hit her. They just respond. It's like, all right. Oh, they can't hear me. Lavet will walk over to the new tiny lady and pick her up as he and as he picks her up. I'm I'll guess by the hair might burn a little bit, but not too bad because it's like a small little lighter. And as he begins to grunt and moan, a lit a little platform begins to shoot out of his right shoulder, kind of like a little swinging branch. And he sets Seer on top of it. Yeah, and uh, just to keep in mind, so we're all aware, uh, Seer, you are now a small size for about four days. You have disadvantage on strength and saving throws uh, checks. Um, And uh, your attacks will also deal 1d4 less damage. That's okay, because I don't use weapons. weapons. I don't use weapons. Yeah, there you go. I'm a very efficient and terrifying Bic Lighter. Let me jot down a note, make sure Seer makes a lot of strength saves. Alright, there we go. Um, But Seer will sit on this thing after they, like, put some gloves on so they don't, like, burn things with their hands. Hmm. Yeah, so what's the party's reaction to this? Heard Mabet. Uh, what about Mega and Aluya? I think she's elated that, you know, the plan worked out, especially that it was Seer for it to work out for even though she's, like, super tiny. So, like, we're gonna keep those around, right? As he kind of, like, gestures at the, uh, uh, at the mess of collars on the ground. <laughs> I mean, I could put them in the bags he gave me. Well, like, hmm, it's, uh, hey, uh, littler brah? <laughs> looks on, looks to Eddie in the platform that Mavet left for Seer. Seer waves. Hey, like, do these still work after you've taken them off? Sierra shouts at the top of the voice because they are tiny, going like, I most certainly imagine they do. Because it's not that we just, you know, got rid of the magic. It is more that we disabled it for a short time. So if you can open them up or put it on to someone else new, probably would work. Ow. You do not need to yell in ear. Oh. 
I'll talk quieter. Would you translate for me? And I say to Eddie what she said. So, you know what? Maybe, like, I should go for a direct connection. And, uh, like, Eddie starts using message with Seer. <laughs> All right. So, like, can you see which one is, like, the divination one? Seer will look to what they have. And divination is actually a very interesting color. It is gray. It is very wispy gray. I'm mostly just making sure since you have still have detect magic on and uh, hmm. Eddie has not cast detect magic. So <laughs> mm -hmm. it just looks like a, a bunch of, uh, you know, like a bunch of colors on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I would say it does look like a bunch of uh, col uh, colors on the ground. Still through message. Like basically we want to make sure that the divination one is kept out, but then all the others can go in the bag. Smart. Let's do that. Um, then our escort, what I want, what might be wise to do is make it seem like I just left everybody and I'll hide in Mavet. Although that means I'll have to prepare a spell to make it so that I don't accidentally light Mavet on fire. <laughs> that would be too hard. What, what kind of crazy ass fucking plan is this? I mean, if I go into Aluya's boob pocket, they'll burn too. You also get shocked in there. I know! We're Janasi, you don't really have to hide. Well, the thing is, it's not a matter of hiding, it's the matter of fact of, like, I am fire. Yeah, there you go. I burn things. I mean, you're you're only, like, the size of a Funko Pop, right? Yes. Even though technically small size, I still like the comparison of a Funko Pop. <laughs> but basically, here's what I'll do to help out Mavet in certain times of the period when we have I have to hide from... The Steve Buscemi guy. Besides, I basically use altered self. So I actually would not turn myself into the skies, but actually turn myself into a human. Okay. In a sense, turning off my fire thing. All right. Also, you should shrink my token to be appropriate. Yes, ma'am. I mean, what if we just say that, like, we accidentally spilled some water on you and you got smaller? I mean, if you do that, then they're going to figure out why the collars are off. And then try to put new ones on. Hence why I rather hide. Because if I hide, then we could just chalk it up to me running away. Well, like, I hope you have fun in, I want to say, Mavette's hair. Surprisingly, this is very comfortable. I want to think that Mavette has, like, a family of squirrels living inside. <laughs> they bring, they bring Seer in, give her some nuts. Seer roasts the nuts, makes the squirrels like them more. Very tiny Seer. Hi, I'm small. Hello, I'm Seer. So what's what's the cover then? So uh, like you're you're trying to hide Seer from your taskmaster. Am I correct with that? Yeah. Okay. All right. And where exactly are you hiding? Inside of Mavet's bush? Yep. Wearing the hat of disguise to make myself camouflaged. Okay. Make me stealth with advantage. Oh. Yeah. Could I help with that role? Uh, no. Um, before Yui say anything, I think I will also flash of genius that skill check. Okay. <laughs> That's such a sad skill. Can I? No. no. You can guidance. I want to boop her on the head. <laughs> so I, I got, I got to know how you, how you fucking this up, Seer? Like, what, what are you fucking up with this? Beep. Like, uh, on the first failure, then we'll talk about uh, whether you succeed or fail on the second one. Well, here's how I'm fucking it up. 
Yeah. Marvet, how much foil foliage do you have? Uh, not much. Mainly, it's just like a lot of branches that are thorny are kind of surrounding you. That's what makes it sad, is that Seer turns into like a little green bush pattern. Not realizing, it's like, wait, I should be a sticky pattern. Which is why it's like suddenly Mavet like has this little green puff in one little spot. And it looks pretty obvious. So then Seer immediately changes with their flash of genius, Aluya being like, and like telling Seer, no, not that, not that, not that. And now I have a 17. Okay. Yeah. Like as you begin to hide, we see like uh, throughout the night, like uh, if anyone's staring at uh, Gene, his eyes begin to dart around a little bit. Not worried, just searching. All right. Anything else you guys do before uh, we begin the travel? I would, in the meantime, anytime we have a break, would try to wait to help break Aluya's thing out. Whether it be by magical means or by mechanical means. I think the mechanical means, now that I'm free, I could spend as much time as I need to do it. Mm. All right. So let's start off with the next day. Uh, keep in mind, it's been about a week. Uh, did I already ask uh, what everyone did during that week? Or did I uh, stop at... Yeah, I believe I started with Seer and we kind of went on the side tangent. Yeah. Um, Aluya, during this week of travel with your tiny seer. <laughs> uh, what do you do to keep yourself entertained during these large swaths of silence? Uh, not much. I mean, the main focus is trying to get out of these shackles and also try and hide seer and just continue forward without having my head blow off and take into account the events that happen in Chaim and what I could possibly do to move forward with my issue with and with what Rory said. Hmm. Yeah. And keep in mind, like Rory, uh, Elzar and uh, Sigurd are traveling with your group. But, you know, you guys maintain a comfortable distance with Rory going back and forth between the groups. Do you have any chats with Rory along the way? No, I think the last chat we had kind of was all that she really needed. Um, I think she still feels bad for this man and just doesn't want to cause him any more grief mm -hmm. yeah there's a long period of silence in your travel but you catch him occasionally like looking in your direction then quickly averting his eyes i'll just give him like the sup and then <laughs> the sup nod yeah <laughs> yeah but uh yes you do see that uh sigurd is missing a couple fingers just to uh, quickly go over the group, uh, Aluya, who would you cast as a, uh, a celebrity actor to play Rory? What, what, what does he look like? How would you best describe him? I know it's my guy, but you've seen his picture. You're better with actors. Uh, am I? Uh, on the spot. Come on. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> what's his, like a, is it Chris Pine? Yeah, Chris but, Pine. Like, with just Irish, right? He's Irish. Like <laughs> this is Chris Pine Irish. You know, that's a good thing to Google. There are too many Chris's. Because uh... of the hair he's got, like. I Look, all I know is he was born in LA. That's it. I don't know. Yeah, Chris Pine, uh, Pine like with maybe a little bit more straggly hair. Like it it's just always seems to be wet or greasy. Um, 
But uh, we also have uh, Sigurd, and, uh, who is uh, Goliath with a, a long braid that goes down to his mid-back. And Elzar, a hobgoblin in uh, armor that's uh, fashioned uh, much like an elk with the helmet's uh, antlers. Yes, you guys travel along Mega. How do you, how does Eddie keep himself entertained during this uh, uh, travel? I mean, the funny thing is, like, uh, you know, like because this actually is a uh, uh, a forest area. Mm. Uh, I think this would just be a situation where uh, he actually like would keep his eye out for like. Uh, any medicinal herbs and any air quote medicinal <laughs> herbs because uh, he actually can make because like, he actually can make stuff like uh, healing potions and what have you it's like uh, but you know he also mostly uses that skill for recreational purposes but you know <laughs> yeah make me a uh, nature survival check see what you find I think that did it Huzzah. Okay, I think that's a 17 17 alright now, uh, you said you're looking for uh, medicinal herbs? It's like, yeah, it's like a medicinal with or without air quotes. He doesn't know what's normally in this forest. <laughs> okay. He's never lived here. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say with that, you do find something, yeah, peculiar. Um, roll me, let's see, a 1d4. Okay. I guess I didn't do it. Uh, yeah. Oh, I see. I Okay, that's that's why. Okay, you did good. You did good. All right. So what you end up finding during your uh, travels is a uh, brush. Uh, you know this as a Genko brush. Uh, you know that uh, previous uh, tribes would use this for their uh, uh, healing potions or concoctions. Uh, mainly what this does is it makes the effects of a healing potion more potent. Uh, how it does this is... Whenever, uh, like, uh, just speaking over the table terms, how this mechanically will work when uh, when used with the potion is when you roll for healing, you get to uh, take uh, uh, the amount you rolled. So say you roll five on the first round and five on the second round. Essentially, you get the uh, double the amount of healing, but uh, over the course of uh, two rounds. So it's a good find. You can make some uh, decent potions with this. Um, you also do know with uh, a little bit of the history with this is uh, that much like with, yeah, if you had to take a guess, this uh, brush was used by uh, Thimrath for, uh, uh, if you guys recall during the last session of uh, how he had one of his uh, uh, brothers, uh, one of his own family tied up to a chair, regrowing his uh, their teeth. This was uh, one of the components that you would hazard guess I used to make that happen. You even think uh, if refined enough, it could have a regenerative uh, property to it. But base level, you know that it can essentially double your healing. So about how much of that is present? Okay. Um, because I had you roll, uh, yes, uh, uh, three on there, I'm going to say that uh, when refined, this could... Uh, potentially make uh, three potions. Well, bros, I didn't find drugs, but I did find drugs. All right. I have a shorthand note in chat. Double healing split between two rounds. All right. That's uh, one of the things that you uh, discover along your uh, journey. Uh, what else does Eddie do during this travel? Like, how does he keep himself entertained? So, well, I think, um, <clears throat> like, aside from that, because, like, 
I mean, like, obviously, like, there's the way that he spends his time when, uh, like, when they're not walking around. But uh, as far as, like, when they are, like, tr actually, like, uh, traveling from, you know, like, you know, like, through the day. To, uh, I like to think that uh, that Eddie is kind of like, like a whistling to himself. But like, you know, like, a, but whistling like a small tune. Hmm. All right. Uh, is there any comparison for uh, the whistle or is it just a uh, nonsense skull without rhythm? I think more specifically, he would try to like, uh, like, like uh, mimic the songs of any birds that he hears, you know, like uh, to help uh, keep it interesting. <laughs> oh, nice! I like that. Vibing to his tune, always gonna be like, "This is the song that never ends." My friend, uh, Mavet, you're the last person on my list. Uh, what do you do during this uh, a week? I'll be doing something similar to what um, Eddie was doing and checking out the nature that we are walking through. Specifically, I would be focused. I would be trying to, Mavet would be trying to study everything, but paying special attention to any fungus or decaying, but not dead, just decaying um, flora. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Decaying flora. Hmm. What are you uh, trying to get out of this? I am trying to learn, see if I could actually help the decaying flora to revitalize and in a sense be spread. I don't know how to say this like without it being clipped. Spread my seed. <laughs> so uh, just... Could, could you repeat it back to me one more time? I don't think I heard you. I would want to help spread my seed. So how do you go about spreading your seed, Mavet? So as Mavet is you know, studying the, uh, the floor around, noticing different trees he's never seen before, flowers, gra wild grasses, uh, but paying attention to the ones that need nurturing or you know, the floor that seems to be on its deathbed, is it because of an invasive species? Is it not getting its proper nutrients? He doesn't know because he hasn't seen this stuff before. So whenever he would see a decaying, whether it be fungus, fungus causing the decaying or just, you know, a dying plant, he would break off a piece of himself and shape some of the, using shape water, some of the nearby water to help nurture maybe it back to health and have a part of him be with it there to help it grow all right yeah all right um let, let's paint the scene because this uh touches on a uh, a good topic uh with eddie uh when he discovered the brush he there was a lot more that were decayed to the point of not being usable or just withered as you guys travel, there is never really sunlight. It is just a constant twilight. You see that the sky is always black with a blinking eye in a place of the moon. And you see a flying leviathan whose moan just occasionally reverbs around uh, the canyons, the trees, any open area. You can just always hear it in the background. Towards the decaying, you feel like it's towards this black sky, not being able to feed these plants enough. And even taking a closer look 
at uh, the decaying vegetation, you do see, like, taking a closer look, some of the uh, some of the stalks are strange. You see a slithering, like, vine of thorns, and you see it just piercing at the stem of uh, these uh, flowers, these uh, uh, any kind of flora, as it's essentially eating away at it. It seems like there is a invasive species that's trying to survive in this harsh environment. Well, with that, you said the the thorns are piercing these were once healthy flora? Yes. So, I wanting to learn more and you know, hopefully to understand it on a more tree-like level. Um, I would break off one of these thorny branches. And what I am going to do is cut off one of my fingers. Or essentially just snap off. And how they do with some, you know, when you're trying to cross replant, you kind of like just stick it in there and have it grow from the original thing. I'm going to plant that into where my missing finger was. Okay. God, you're a strange fucker. <laughs> uh, break it down for me one more time. <laughs> so, uh, we'll uh, give some background. In, in orange farming, what they would do if they want to try to get like new or- types of oranges, they would cut off a branch and essentially place like a seed of a different orange to create like a new type of orange. So in essence, that what I, uh, what I am doing. So Mavet will take one of his fingers, he will take the ring finger on his left hand, nap it off just above, well, he doesn't have knuckles, but there's still just a little bit of that finger there. And with that, he stabs the thorn, the long thorn into where his finger once was. Okay. Uh, make me a survival check, cause that's uh, or nature, nature. That sounds a lot better. Okay, seventeen. Oh, uh, with a total of uh, nineteen. All right. So as you place it near the thorns, like uh, I, that was a high roll. Like, uh, what kind of changes do you think happens to this vine? I think it starts to take place in replacing my finger. It would definitely be of a different... It would be noticeably different than my current ash and bark. But I'm hoping to know more about why this plant is causing this. Maybe some, like, where did it originate if it's an invasive species? I'm trying to connect more on, like, like a, like a spiritual level, in a sense, with it. See if I can get information from it by having it and placing it inside of me to where you become more like one. Mm. Um, With this one, just because of your situation, I'm going to need like an assistant role from uh, another player to give you more Im- uh, information about this invasive species. Um, Seer, you said you're uh, riding on his shoulder, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, make me... A history with advantage because of that uh, nature uh, nature skill check. Normal or advantage? Advantage. Well, well, let me try again. Sorry, my bad. No, I accidentally fine. I misclicked. Let me try this. Trying to sabotage me. I am. All right, there we go. So that's twenty four. Yep. All right. 
with a 19, ended up with a 24. This is giving you a deja vu. You swear something like this has happened before. Like you've read this in a fairy tale. Then it occurs to you that the disease that you guys encountered in the town has a similar background. This invasive species that Mavet is uh, uh, playing around with, it appears to be a extinct uh, uh, species. Although you don't know the name of it quite yet, it has a similar background where you know damn well like both of these things, this disease, this uh, species, both of them were dead, but now they're back with you once more. Uh, with these ones in particular, you know this one's fairly dangerous. This caused a fair amount of famines. And you know that uh, the wildlife... Uh, have you ever heard of cordyceps? Someone's been watching The Last of Us. Yeah. It, it functions like cordyceps, where as a species begins to attach itself to flora or uh, uh, fruits, trees, when uh, the local wildlife eats at it, it takes on the quality of uh, hardened bark skin and a zombie-like state. It is a very, very dangerous species. I imagine Sue would be very much in the mentality of burning it all to the ground. <laughs> but Sue is not a violent one. And they don't want Mavet to be upset. <laughs> this is very dangerous, but I don't want to upset you. I would tell them, though, this and that the best course of action for it is to destroy it. Dangerous enough that, I don't know, it would make two games about it. All life is precious. Just because it has been bad once does not mean it cannot be redeemed. Sadly, it's not the matter of redeeming back and forth. It's more the matter of fact that it can endanger many other lives. So that brings the question to you. If all lives are precious, does that mean you allow other lives to be taken by a life that takes all? That is a question to ponder. Is one worth that of many? Or is the many worth that of one? Either way, I have made my choice. And what Mavet will do, he since he already has that, he's going to keep it implanted in his finger. And he's going to take the part that he broke off and replace the part that he ripped off from the plant. Oh, back onto yourself? <laughs> so I am giving me a piece of myself, that broken off finger, and putting it into the plant. And then the part I took from the plant is still inside my finger. Mm, damn. So just to clarify, just make sure I'm not mistaken, you are attaching this to yourself. It has already been attached. Okay. Um, Make me a constant... <sighs> Should I even make you make a save? Do you choose to fail this? Do you let it assimilate with you? So, I mean, I'm going to be, if it is, in fact, trying to, like, take control of me, because my my goal, if it, let's say, okay, if it's bad and trying to hurt me, I'm trying to battle it into a stalemate so we can coexist. Okay. Yeah, make me a constitution saving throw. Make this DC 18. Nine. I thought you genius. <laughs> How much does that add? Five. That's not enough. Oh, fair. Wolf to that roll. Yeah. So we see, uh, what, what finger was it again? Ring finger. Yeah, keep that one in mind. Write that down. So the ring finger begins to develop 
uh, vines with thorns that wrap around to adhere itself to your uh, missing finger. And we begin to see it like, yeah, essentially penetrate through your thick bark, uh, going like underneath your wood-like skin. And it makes its way up to your forearm. And now I'm going to say that you are going to suffer from a indefinite madness. You are schizophrenic. So make sure you write that down. Keep it there. And now you just hear just voices. It's a chorus, but it's not quite clear yet. But you do get one thing from it. You just keep hearing Zombrian. 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 Just keeps repeating that in your head. Can you spell that, please? I'm gonna put it in chat. Z-O-M-B-R-I-U-N. Zombrian. Thank you. Yes. At what point in the journey would you say you've done this? Probably around the same time that Mega was looking at plants. So I would have been from the get-go, you know, studying the flora. So whatever time you would decide, um, I would happen to cross that. Yeah, Mega, give me an idea uh, about a week's time. Like, uh, uh, what point in the week would you have done this? <clears throat> the closest equivalent to hump day. <laughs> yeah, so ha- halfway through. So I'll say it's uh, day three on travel. Oh, cool. Then so many days left before I bring back to no- um, come back to normal. Yep. Yeah, we'll say all of these important events happen around day three. Day three, you guys kind of got a little freaky. Um. Yes, Mavet, do me a favor. Make me four constitution saving throws, all DC 18. Flash of genius. Yes. Okay. You just hear the voice begin to quiet. Mavet, next day. No, I I wouldn't know. I If I knew, I would do something else. I'm, I can't help. Yeah, we see, like, uh, you guys can visibly notice that, like, uh, there are vines traveling from, like, uh, his upper shoulder and down his back. Flash of genius. Yeah, we got two failures and two successes. Mavet, do me a favor, write that down, and we'll come back to this. But the voice does get louder with this. It, you're not quite at a stalemate. You guys are still actively fighting. And uh, Mavet, I want you to take uh, one point of exhaustion. Note to self. Sierra will need to make another cure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, like, now keeping an eye out during your travels, you do see these vines, much similar to what uh, Mavet is dealing with, just here and there, as you see this, yeah, extinct species that has apparently come back as it begins to creep around uh, the local flora and trees. You even see like uh, a boar deep within the woods, like half of its body is made of bark. And you see that it's, yeah, it's left hind leg is covered in thick wood, making it uh, unable to move that limb. You see it just limping around its eyes. Yeah, its eyes empty, flies and maggots spilling from it. Yeah, it seems whatever this is, it is not that good. If I recognized that, I probably would warn the group about it. Possibly have us take precautions and, well, secretly have Eddie message me about Mavet having to, having accepting this 
upon themselves. Maybe having a watch for them. So we're going to have a secret conversation to see when we have to put him down? I don't want to put him down, but that is the possibility. They made their choice, which means that we'll have to make ours if it turns south. It is a very dangerous thing, and I think we're going deeper into an area where it's full of this. So it means that, well, we could very verify that Mavet is not a carrier from the beginning, but a victim of something else. Could you burn it off of him? I would burn them alive. If it was early on, yes, but Mavet was pretty adamant. I don't go against someone's wishes. I have a code, so... If they choose to take this path, I don't say no to it. Plus, well, looking to Eddie, there also might be a chance that watching Mavet might give us another chance to make another cure for something else. As he is a guinea pig now. Correct. <laughs> so. Well, this wouldn't be the first time I've experimented with plants. All I would ask you to do in this case, Eddie, is keep an eye on them. I will study them. See if there's a way to manipulate it since it is of a deadly nature and burning everything down would just make us have to burn everything down. So if I had a way to limit its growth, then I think that might be the better option. Like maybe a pesticide. Question. So like from the events of last time, uh, if we touch Mavet, will that be an issue for us? Or like, is it like the bushes and the grass, the animals? It's all the above. One reason why I'm not too worried for myself is because since I'm naturally hot, I burn things from just things coming close to me. Okay, no to self. Keep Mavet away. Well, what I was going to recommend is, if it is what I think it is, cover your mouth and nose. Anything you have, it'll make it so that it doesn't go through. Because think of like fungus. They cover, they fly through spores. So, definitely... Make sure that you have it on 100% of the time. Well, Cool Beans, out of character, I did change her outfit so she can cover her mouth. Oh, really? That's very convenient. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You can look at my Pinterest board. I went through several outfits. Oh, yeah? You must uh-huh. send me this Pinterest board now. <laughs> I can't. It's sad. Yeah, like, Eddie just has, like, a pensive look on his face for a moment, then grins. Well, then, I guess that just means I'll have to smoke more. We will have to watch and see. I can watch closely since I'm not under the threat too much. But even that, I'm not sure. I don't know how well adaptive it is, so I'm going to still wear something. I can't wear cloth since it burns, so I gotta improvise. Although, I gotta say, though, maybe you shouldn't have told me, because, like, well, Eddie doesn't like it when there are things that might hurt me, and, uh... They hear everything I do. <laughs> and as he's saying that, there's just like, uh, again, it's like the, the looming, uh, like, eyes amongst the smoke around Eddie. <laughs> just like, uh, like, staring at Mavet. I will be with them 100% of the time, even when I grow big. Um, curious question. Mm. How's Steve Buscemi reacting to this whole sh- um, sh- um, zombie shenanigan thing as they see, like, all these fungal plants being terrifying? You see him talking to himself, but he seems nonplussed. You just see his uh, hand trailing near the vines, examining it, and even going so far as to cut off a vine and uh, put it inside of a vial. 
In other words, he is as excited as Seer, but he is not very capable of handling it. No. He's a taskmaster, not a doctor, damn it. Well, he's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with that said, um, I'm gonna study Mavette, maybe work on these cordyceps thingies. I could put them also in a vial, and then just kind of, like, experiment. I could try to cast Lester Restoration on Mavette, but I don't assume it's a disease. I assume it is a creature that is trying to connect with Mavet. Mm. That's kind of why I didn't cast Lesser Restoration because I thought you were going to play from that route. I could try casting Lesser Restoration for free. If you want to. Let's do it. Okay. Watch Mavet try to eat me because it, it angers the creature. Here I go. I just want I just want, well, I just want Mavet to start shouting grains. 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 Soil. Soil. Um, Moo, flavor this up for me, and I'll tell you what happens. All right, so Seer will do something unusual. So with Lester Restoration, with all their spells, instead of just being, like, invoking upon it, it's like vials, syringes, and other things that they use. In this case, Seer will actually prick themselves to put a little bit of, of their golden blood into a vial, mix it in with some other chemicals from their alchemical jug, and then, with a syringe, they poke Mavet in their shoulder as they ride. Mm. Yes, and just like you uh, theorized in your head, you know for certain now that whatever, yes, whatever Mavet came in contact to, it is something entirely different. You think of this as a living organism. And lesser restoration will not cure Mavet of this organism. There we go. Then, while working on getting the color off of Aluya, I will have to now also experiment on Mavet. Okay, what kind of experiments do you run? Possibly seeing how the cordyceps react with heat, temperature, as well as how they react to other chemicals such as alcohol. Zombrin. Correct. Thank you very much. Zombrin. Yeah, Zombrin, thank you. Now, would I know that she's experimenting on me? I would assume it's consensual unless you say otherwise. Well, I mean, is she trying to hide it because she's worried? Oh, obviously I'm not. Dead? Okay, good. I, I don't lie to patients. All right. So, I mean, I would a attempt to help out. Not really like an ability score increase, but it kind of makes sense by what the spell is or feature is. I want to use a use of my symbiotic entity, which allows me to channel magic in into my spores which i figure since they're both you know part of me might give a little bit of bolstering to helping again fight it into a stalemate but that's up to you gray i still use it anyway okay um hands uh, off the chess piece yeah uh moo uh what exactly are you doing uh, uh tell me like uh, mechanically what are you doing i am trying to find if it's a creature it's vulnerability so that if I had to, like, make a pesticide later on, I could just kind of repel a lot of things. Or if we had to fight a zombie creature, we could definitely kill it right away without it spreading, specifically. Yeah, yeah, you can make a roll with advantage with, uh, although I will say, you know, the symbiotic entity doesn't actually interact with this check. It's very fitting. It's thematic. I'll give you advantage with it. All right, what would you like me to roll? It sounds like a nature, no history, actually, like straight out history, because uh, you're, you're, well, you're actually experimenting with it, correct? It should be investigation if I'm investigating it. So, yeah. 
Experimenting. Yeah, investiga yeah, investigation. Oh my god, a natural 20. Okay, so let me tell you about its resistances and vulnerabilities, uh, uh, so on and so forth. So you know that it is weak to fire, as you would have thought with uh, it being uh, uh, plant-like and uh, transforming its uh, its hosts into a wood-like creature. Um, it is also vulnerable to radiant damage while being immune to necrotic. And uh, resistance-wise, it is resistant to acid. Good to know. So in other words, Seer is its perfect enemy. Yes. <laughs> I had a genocide more genasis. What am I also going to have the genocide? <laughs> oh, don't, don't be mean to me. <laughs> anyway, but basically, would relay that to the group. Okay. What kind of discussion do you guys have over this? Because you see that this thing is an organism, is trying to claim Mobet as a host. You see the effect it has on the floral and the wildlife. Uh, what kind of interaction do you guys have during your travels? I'd probably tell Mobet straight, pretty much that they are not dealing with a little entity. They are dealing with a large entity that would be incredibly hard to fight back. And that my healing skills could help, but the chances of me helping them are slowly dwindling the longer they have this Dombrin in them. Mm. And I would also relate to the group about what we know so far about these creatures. Specifically, possibly the best course of action as I would even point out to Mavet about the boar that was walking dead around. Mm. That was covered in these spores. As it also took a life away and is taking more away. Yeah, and Mavet, you feel exhausted. I have a question, Sir. What if we try to uh, freeze the arm? Would that help? And maybe break it away from him? I mean, that's not a bad option. But problem, I would say, is that I don't know if Mavet can just grow arms back. Are you able to grow your arm back, Mavet? I mean, uh... Assuming I'm a tree, I have no abilities for it, but I, I would guess it would just take a while. That's up to Gray, though. Mm. Is there anything within your race that allows you to do that? If not, no. But we could easily make some prosthetics, which would be fun. Well, keep in mind, uh, Eddie did discover like a medicine that has the potential for regeneration. And I say potential. So I wish wish to clarify to the party that you know if it comes to where it what you all would consider losing one life for another then you can do with me as you wish but i wish to subdue it to learn more from it because not everything is inherently evil we don't know its purpose you only know the purpose from which you view so if you can aid me in assisting and subduing it I would rather not kill what has already started becoming part of me. If that is your choice, but I will say this. We are currently having to head back to where we need to go. My, If it helps buy us time, I can spend more time being able to get everybody out. But we would need to convince that man, pointing to on their tiny shoulder, to let us detour since I also need to deliver this basket of cookies. Yeah. And I want to imagine as you're pointing along, he's holding up a vial with that uh, vine with thorns, the Zombruin. And like we see it wiggle like a symbiote within the vial. 
And he just has a cold stare at it. So, if you could convince them. I mean, there is, like, one possibility. Do tell. I mean, like, you know the woman that we're supposed to meet to, like, give those cookies, right? Right. Well, what if she knows something about this? Maybe even a way to help deal with it? It's going to be like the Ibiku situation again, isn't it? Where we try to figure out where the problem was, and it turns out it's also another hag that did it. All right, I think that's logical. And maybe while, while, while we're there, she might know how to break a deal? What deal? I'm sorry to tell you this, Aluia, but I don't think that will work. But also, maybe we should try. Also, um... Betty, it was a deal that Aluya made to try to discover more secrets, but it backfired. Uh, when did that happen? Didn't, uh, don't worry, uh, it's, it happened. Oh, yeah, moving on. Oh, Malvet has disease. Oh, yes, Malvet has disease. <laughs> Regardless, though, I think that might be our best course of action, so... Eddie, we might need to talk with our taskmaster. He hasn't really been, like, much the targeted type, but I guess I'll give it a shot. All right. How do you approach him? So is he just like still staring at it? Yeah. You see that he's just examining it and you see like magic flicker through his fingers as if he's doing small experiments on it. So, hey, dude, what you oh. doing? Oh, hey, hey, Eddie. Hello there. I, yes, sorry. What's, what's the holdup? You've been talking for a bit. Just like uh, staring at the... Uh... The, uh, the one in his hand is like, you seem like really into that thing. Oh, yes, it's it's a bit of a marvel. Yes, I haven't seen this in, yes, it's been a long time. Are you familiar with this, Eddie? Uh, kind of, sort of, at least what I was told like a few minutes ago, but... The, the fairy tale, no? Not one I can really think of. Yes, well, they say... Back in the days of the Gishayans, uh, those nasty little changelings, that their civilization sprawled uh, near and far. And, yes, a lot of people link this this thing as he jingles around the little vial with the uh, uh, thorns. Yes, th- there's a story that a uh, great prince and king once traveled to kingdom near and far. And as they traveled... They brought forth a flower, and as they planted it in a, a faraway kingdom, this is what sprouted. It's a, it's a flower that changes shape, and this is its thorns. As I, I'm a little hazy on the other details. I, re- yes, what I, I really do need to look up that fairy tale sometime. Maybe we can stop by a library. As he. Keeps looking at the vial. Uh, no, no, uh, task at hand. This this can wait for later. As he puts it inside of his cloak. Yes, uh, what did... Uh, why are you talking to me again? Yes. Well, funny enough, it's kind of related. As he just kind of like hikes a thumb <laughs> over uh, above it. Uh, yes, the strange tree fellow. Uh, w- what about him? So like, he kind of sort of... Let one of those things make a home in him? Why in the blazes would he do that? I guess that's just like the way that he tries to connect. Why? Like with people. Oh my gods. Why 
that's such a strange creature. I, did he know? I'm not really sure if he knew as much as he does now, but I guess he still did it anyway, though. Absolutely foolish. My word. So, well, like, though, you know, there might be somebody, like, kind of, sort of nearby that maybe we can ask about it for. Uh, uh, Who the devil would that be? Oh, just some nice old lady. Uh, An old lady? A hake? Well, that's kind of rude. Oh, so just uh, a grandmother. Uh, Just an old lady? You know, like, originally, like, we kind of, sort of promised someone back up in town to, like, like, uh, bring something over to her, like, on our way. But now that this has happened, like, well, it's possible she might, like, know something about this. Mm-hmm. And you, you seem really interested in it, so maybe you could, like, tickle that part of your brain that wants to know more about it. Amy, persuasion check with advantage. EC 18. Uh, Aluya, no guidance. Uh, Seer, uh, what's the distance for uh, Flash of Genius? 30 feet. That's enough. Oh, that that is an interesting thought. And I, I do suppose... I don't need her guidance because I can give my own. <laughs> I keep forgetting that because she's our go-to guidance girl. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big middle finger to me. Thank you. All right. So 22. That is more than enough. So as you're... Uh, uh, give me like a little bit more of a uh, persuasive uh, argument. You already have a solid foundation, but what really sells it? It's like, look, like you can only learn like so many things in a library, but just walking around with it for a little bit, actually seeing what it does, isn't that just a little bit more hands-on? Damn, damn it all. Yes, yes, you, you're right. Yes. Uh, One must take... Uh, experimentation with his own hands rather than at a book. Yes. I, and he puts his, like, uh, he pinches his brow and he just goes, well, thankfully Atticus sent out a letter for an extension. I'll make sure to uh, contact the captain and, yes, make sure she knows. But I can't st- I can't extend it more than I already have. Uh, we have a week before we get there, and that'll meet our deadline for uh, going to the rendezvous with the uh, the, the ship. But I, I could perhaps ask for uh, three days, uh, at most another week. But don't hold your breath on that one. Yes, we, we can do this. And the biggest thing that really bothers you, Eddie, is you don't recall ever telling him that Atticus sent out a letter. So he keeps that in the back of his mind, but just like, uh, kind of like gives a dopey smile. And especially if he has like, you know, just like a free handout, just like, uh, like looks like he's about to go over and shake it, but then like, you know, like a, tries to like do a, uh, uh, a hand, like a different kind of handshake. It's like, thanks bro. You're the best dude. <laughs> and just, I imagine he's just not taking well to any of the the motions that he's going through. (laughs) All right. I kind of want to imagine a fade to black on that. All right. So uh, for Cuphead's third character, I can only just assume that whatever it is, they're just going to breathe in some really toxic smoke. It's it it seems like every time, every fucking time, it it just appears that 
like from drinking contaminated water to interacting with a invasive species. Yeah, we got water and earth. Now we just need to, now we just need air and fire, and like uh, we've come full circle. All right, so we faded to black with Gene, uh, giving you guys the okay that you guys have uh, three more days. So as you guys begin to travel, I'm gonna say we're all the way up to a week. A week has passed since you guys have left Shayam, and now you guys are traveling at dawn. Uh, you guys are traveling uh, the roads. There's is dim lighting all around. And as you guys come to a corner, you guys see a yeah a bit of foliage, uh, uh, a dense bit uh, part of the forest, and a yeah I would say a bit of a cliffside that goes thirty feet up, sixty feet up. Um, I need to ask you guys. Uh, everyone. Well, let's make a group skill check because I don't want to go off of uh, passives with this one. And just remember, with uh, group skill checks, all you got to get is half or higher. And this one's going to be 17. Yeah, that sounds about right. 17. What skill? Yeah, you did Perception. Say the skill. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought I said perception. Mavet with 22. Luya with a 9. Seer with the 3. Gennady uh... saved this. Just in case, I hate burning it early, but flash of genius, because I want to bring up that average. Yeah. Oh, well, keep in mind, it goes off of successes and failures for a group check. Oh. Yep. So uh, just half the group needs to succeed. So only two people. And it's uh, dependent on uh, Mega now to save this. Yeah, there you go. Oh, um, wait, wait, wait. It didn't automatically roll for disadvantage. Okay, there you go. Ooh, there we go. So by the skin of your teeth, you fail. So I want everyone to make me a dexterity 15 saving throw. Wait, I can guidance myself. You know, give me a chance. You should have said so. Go right ahead, guidance yourself. A minimum would be a success. So. Yeah. <laughs> we find the dice. So I, I feel like it, it's proper that Eddie is the one to notice this with his uh, blind sense. Um, Eddie, as you're uh, walking along, doing a, uh, you know, just having chill vibes, we see you slouched, and right before you are spikes that have, like, an ethereal nature to them. It seems like they're invisible to the naked eye that are spread across uh, the path, basically at the dirt road that's before you. Part of me wants to believe that, like, Jesse's about to approach it, like, a smoky Eddie suddenly takes a... a a significantly more corporeal form and just like <laughs> puts a finger on Eddie's chest to keep him from moving forward. Yeah, there you go. Uh, hey, bros, we might want to stop for a second. So yes, uh, you guys are traveling this road and you guys see a bunch of uh, I should say Eddie sees a bunch of spikes that's before you. Um, go through that RP once more. So, hey, bros, I think we might want to stop for a second. What are you having? Wait, before I go into a replay, um, am I still small? Um, enough days have passed where you are back at your regular size. Good. It's after the guy agreed that we go this way because he'll be like, what the fuck? I came back. I got cold. Gives you a quirk of the eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're made of fire. You can get cold? What? What is this? Um, but yes, the spikes are before you. 
and you guys just have a moment of yeah unease wave over you it seems like this was a trap not not sure whether it's specifically for you guys but it was a trap laid on this road what do you do so it seems to be very specifically on the road is specifically on the road as if this was a trap that was laid for uh, people walking by or it could be specifically for you you don't know what are the spikes made out of does it look like metal or do i have to break another finger Eddie is the only one who could see them. It seems like in this dim light that they're invisible to the naked eye, but they're wreathed in shadows. Everyone, don't go at once. <laughs> Can I uh, use my tempestuous magic to kind of get a better vantage point from where we are? If Eddie is saying that there's something... Hmm? What 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 first level spell do you cast to use it? Uh, it's a thing that happens in my features and traits. Oh. I. I believe you have to cast a first level spell for yeah. it. Uh, oh, hold on. I will guidance myself. Uh, that's a cantrip, not a leveled spell. You could bless. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. All right. So you bless. And uh, we're, like, uh, put yourself on this map a little bit, because that brings you up 10 feet in the air. And uh, on this map, you do have a cliffside directly to your north. As a uh, 30 feet up, and uh, 30 feet up from there, 60 feet in total is another cliffside. Mm. Uh, just to see if I can see anyone further down the road, or maybe trying to hide somewhere in the brush or trees. Mm. Can't really see above me. Mm. Yes. All right. So you cast bless, and you go. Uh, well, first, who are you blessing? And uh, make me a perception check with advantage. Will bless myself, Mavet, and uh, Eddie. Okay. A perception check. Do I get to see anything? You lucky girl. All right. So let me tell you what you see. So as you do go up into the air, look around. You see a gnome underneath uh, the trees over here. Okay. And he is watching you guys. There is a uh, purple flame around his hand that has like a demonic evil magic to it. As it looks like he's about to cast something. Since you did catch him, I will give you guys all an action to see what you guys do. Keep in mind, being being underneath this uh, tree does also uh, uh, give him a, a little bump to his AC. I will shout out to the well, not shout out, but I would just say to the group, we are being watched. There is someone in that bush over there, and I'll point. Mm-hmm. Looks like he's up to no good. All right, so you spend your action just uh, pointing out where he is. All right. And uh, keep in mind, like, now that you've discovered him and his uh, stealth isn't too high, I'll show you the actual check that he rolled. He rolled a 14 to try to uh, hide away from you. Um... He does have half cover. What does everyone do? Aluya, you alerted the party. What is everyone else doing? Let's see. I'm just trying to take a look around to see what spells I might want to use. But I think the first one, if I had to pick one, is that I will cast Sea Invis- Invisibility. Okay. Casting Sea Invisibility. Okay. So that would be my first thing so that if there's something hiding, I could spot it. 
So again, uh, what you see before you is the spikes on the ground that Eddie was seen as well. Okay, Mavet, uh, Eddie, what do you guys do? Um, I think at the very, this honestly feels like a situation where, uh, I think like a Smoky Eddie kind of like, uh, like a takes point and like, and like flying over a bit ahead and then actually like a forcing a swap with Eddie because I don't think it likes the fact that there's, uh, flames. Yeah. You, uh, see him up there. Um, a- anything else that you'd be doing that you can do within turn? Like, is it just like the switch over you opening up a negotiation, try like uh, talking with them? What's Eddie doing? Yeah, it's like a, like after like uh, Eddie has suddenly found himself like over near like this this rockier area, just like, all right, sure. <laughs> like it goes a little bit more forward, and uh, it's like like it kind of like maybe even kind of like a leans a little bit down on the rock a bit, just like, hey, little dude, I don't think you really want to do that. Uh, what the blaze? Oh, how did you find me? My vet, what are you doing? Well, seeing Eddie switch places with Eddie, um, he said be careful of what's in front of us, so I would just climb up the side over here onto this ridge. Onto that ridge is 30 feet up. Um, Do you have a climb speed at all? So I get about halfway up it. So yeah, it, you you get close enough where the next turn you would be able to get on top. Um, Eddie, let's see if you can salvage this before we initiate combat. He just goes, uh, "How did you find me?" Well, the the fire there is kind of a big giveaway. But he just kind of like gestures at. I'm assuming he's still holding like the <laughs> the the flame in his hand, as if he were holding some sort of spell. Like you don't really want to hurt us, do you, little dude? I. I and because uh, with this specific character that he wanted to do an ambush on you and didn't really he really didn't expect to be uh, found. Let's say, yeah, give me a persuasion check. See if it's enough. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 14. E just go. uh, You you said you really don't want to do this. He looks around, sees all of you and just goes blazes. God's. Damn it! And you see him cast the spell. And we're going to start off in initiative. Okay. It seems like uh, you guys have the advantage on him. And uh, what started the encounter is casting the spell. So I'll resolve that. You see uh, behind you, Eddie, as uh, dark portals begin to open with the purplish flame licking around it. As you see two creatures begin to form and manifest from what seems to be the gates of hell itself. All right, so to describe what this uh, creature looks like, and uh, keep in mind, you guys can always hover over a token to see the art as well in the bottom left corner. But you see this palish, lanky creature with uh, a horn jutting out from uh, the side of its head, large fangs with a gaunt face, and pale blue eyes with no uh, iris, just pure blue. Blood is coating and dripping from its uh, arms. As it, as they both just roar. All right. Very first one we're uh, dealing with here is this little guy. And I think uh, his first action is to go up near the otter boy. He uh, cro- uh, walks towards uh, the rock. And what he tries to do is 
Yes, it'll make one claw attack and something else. This is going to be directed towards Eddie. Go with the first claw. So we see the first swipe with a really bad roll, a straight 11, as it carves into the rock. With his uh, 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 second part of his uh, multi-attack, he is going to do weakening gaze to look at you. Um, Wow. Yeah, with a a, a nat 20, uh, 26 total. Uh, I don't believe it does anything to you. Let's see. Yep. It's a save or suck. Gods damn it. So that's the end of the, the first turn for this creature. Beluia, it is your turn. Two questions, please. Am I still concentrating on bless? Um, If you so desire. Did you stop? No. Because it was a minute. I cast it in the whole thing yeah, with the gnome it, happened. That, that's uh, I'm just imagine it happened over the course of six seconds. So you're... If yeah, if it's a minute, then on round nine it would end. But I don't think it'd last that long. Okay. Uh, can I hold a spell of thunderstep for Lebon and Smoke Eddie and Mavet to get out of my way? You'll lose concentration on bless. Poopy dupes. Then I am going to just if I uh, frostbolt him, uh, he has full cover. Uh, he has half cover. So then I will just fire off a ray of frost. All right. Make sure to uh, target him. He is right underneath the trees. I know that can be a little annoying. Make the attack. Wow. Yeah, 24 fucking hits. God damn. Yep. Uh, that's some hefty damage right there. Yeah, with uh, eight cold damage, uh, that, that smarted just a little bit. And you just see, like, uh, the ice begin to form around his chest and him just, like, out of breath for a second going, (gasps) (gasps) What else do you do during your turn? Uh, I'm going to move as much as I can to try and get around these spikes. I'm clicking. Yep, 15 feet. There you go. All right, let's move on to the next turn. Is the next one's turn. Next demon. So what he is going to do is looking around here. There's a lot of enemies that are far away. But since he's not listening to his baser instinct as if he has orders being told to him what he should be doing, he is not going to take the obvious target here. And he would have just enough to approach Aluya. All right. As he uh, comes up to Aluya, he is going to give you two little claws. So you see the first uh, claw come down. And that is a 20 for a hit, unless you have any bullshit before I move on. Yay, nay. Sorry. Oh, no, I muted myself. Uh, shield, please. Shield? Okay, then that's enough to overcome it. Gotcha. All right. And what's your adjusted AC, just for my uh, reference? 23. 23, gotcha. Goes in for another slash. Both of the miss animate this for me. You see this hulking demon go in for a first slash. The first one should have been a grievous wound. What happens? Uh, she's going to kind of X out with her, brings out her spear and her shield, and just like a wave of this, uh, like pink cast over her. It's like a force field. All right. And as this force field uh, appears, we see like uh, the claw rebound. And uh, that would be the end of this creature's turn. All right. It is now Seer's turn. Seer, what's happening? You're right underneath uh, Mavet's token. I think I will do one simple thing. All right. 
Sorry, that took me a bit. I was just reading some things I could do. Alright, so we have demons. So I will do um, Flaming Sphere on top of the demon here. Alright, Flaming Sphere. Gotcha. And that'll be the end of my turn. Uh, uh, remember, Seer, you can use your bonus action on this turn to ram it into something. And that's well I'll slam it in. Okay. DC 18. DC 18, gotcha. And that'll be the end. All right. So if it hits, it does 11 damage. If it ends its turn there, it takes 11 uh, more damage. All right. So we'll go with the saving throw first, see what happens. Oh, God, three. Yeah, that, that damage goes through. And, uh... Yeah, as uh, the fire touches the creature, uh, you realize that it is resistant to fire. Yeah, so it begins to emulate the uh, creature, and it just brushes off the damage. So let's go off to Eddie's turn. Eddie, what uh, do you do? I, I guess I do have to ask, Like, uh, does it seem like he is concentrating on this spell, or does it seem like this is what's like, uh, just like the portals were a one-and-done thing? I only ask because, like... Uh, Aluya did hit him on her turn, so like, uh... Yeah, no, that's good to ask. Uh, no, there is no concentration with this. Right, always good to ask. Yep, it is. Uh, but uh, what I can tell you, since you specifically asked uh, uh, something like that, it seems like this is a one-or-done deal. It seems uh, as if you take these uh, creatures out, he doesn't have another trump card. Well, then I feel like the uh, the smoke around Eddie just, like, instinctively, like, uh, sees the more immediate in your face figuratively and literally threat and uh fires to eddie blasts at it wow critical are you fucking serious that's terrifying mm, fuck me god damn it both of them are hit 31 27 force critical hit uh, 16 23 god damn like a four of that was bludgeoning uh if that matters. Uh, yeah, it, well, it's all magical. Um, let me see. Yeah, it's all magical. Okay, so that's 23 damage from that blow. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, you do quarter of its health from that. Uh, and then here's the second one. If I can find my mouse, there it is. Yep, we got six on there. Bam. All right, then you can go ahead and like, uh, blast them 20 feet away. <laughs> it's blasted away. Uh, animate this for me. Yeah, it's just like uh, again, like because like this is something like in combat where it, uh, uh, like a lot of things are like happening at about the same time as like the creature just like going like tried to claw and then like I guess stare him down question mark. Uh, <laughs> just like uh, the smoke around him almost instinctively reacts and it's like uh, starts blasting this creature away like uh, off of the rock and like uh, over the way. <laughs> Uh, then I think as uh, as Eddie's bonus action, it's like uh, Smoky Eddie is going to like uh, appear over here. <laughs> Damn! All right. And basically, just like staring at it, just like daring it to move. <laughs> oh God! And that will be the end of Eddie's turns. Oh Jesus! All right, all right. That was a good move. Good move. Okay. Gets to the little gnome's turn, who is uh, really just hiding out here. And uh, he doesn't have a lot of options. I, I think I figured out what he will do then. Yeah, so he's gonna spend his action, disgusting, to go uh, to uh, goad the creature. So uh, starting off with his uh, bonus action, 
He is going to uh, soothe, I should say. That's one I meant. He's going to uh, soothe uh, the creature that got an insane amount of fucking damage from uh, uh, good old daddy. Uh, healing it for nine points of damage, which is not nearly as much as he fucking did. <laughs> Holy hell. Um, there is a potential for 30. Potential for 30. Very low roll, though. Um, yeah, that's the bonus action. Uh, uh, I'm scaled. I think uh, what he will do then is, because that's not a spell... Yes, I, I think what he's going to do is a magic missile. There we go. And do magic missile, and he has identified Eddie as the biggest threat with the amount of fucking damage he just dealt out. <laughs> Panicked and afraid, he's going to cast magic missile onto Eddie. Well, then suddenly a uh, a wall of smoke billows up around Eddie yep. and uh, blocks all of the missiles. Animate like animate this more so like uh, we see like the flame in his hand the purple flame begin to transform into like uh, three uh, arrows and they get shot towards you yeah, and like the smoke that's always like uh, sitting around Eddie just like starts to swirl around him like uh, repeatedly until it like creates a uh, spherical form around him and just like uh, poof, and then like the, the missile just like uh, disintegrates another one and then poof, another one what the devil are you and that ends his turn i'm eddie (laughs) my bet it's your turn so let's uh get a few things straight how much movement do you spend to get to the wall i spent all my movement to get no like to get to uh the uh the spot where sears at where sears that was 15 15 all right um so that I'll, i'll give you 10 so uh if you want to, uh, yeah, we can round it up. Um, if you want to, you can spend your whole movement to get to the top. Is that what you wish to do? Yes. Okay. Bring you over the wall. And uh, you have a clear vision of what's happening. Then I got nothing else. So I'll, uh, wait, 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 wait. I'll use my action to dash over to the cultist. Okay. You can do that. Okie dokie. Uh, that's exactly on his token. Yep, right there we'll do. Yeah, we see you going underneath the tree, taking a peek. Like, animate this up for me, because this seems like it's straight out of a horror film. So as I climb up the rest of the cliff side, I dart over to the little man, because I saw sparks coming out of the tree, headed towards my otter boyfriend. And I wanted to see what is up. So I'm exhausted when I get up to him and he's wondering, oh, you must be out of actions. <laughs> now we'll say for your purpose, he no longer has half cover with you being that close. Okie Okay. And that ends your turn? Yes. It's Gene's turn. And he's flabbergasted like, oh, what the devil? Okay. And he backs away to get a clear shot of that creature right in front of Aluya. As you see him make uh, two grape bolts right at the creature. And that the first one is a hit. And make uh, that saving throw for uh, the grave bolts. And he definitely fucking failed. All right. So with the grave bolt, uh, the, uh, the target has to succeed on a uh, strength save of uh, DC 16 or higher. Or become restrained for around one minute. 
Restrained target can use its actions to repeat the saving throw. So right now this creature is under the effects of restrained. Use restrained, and here comes uh, the next little attack here. All right, uh, is a hit with a 16 on the roll, and that's 19 damage. All right, let me do the damage for the other hit as well. That's 21 damage. That's a lot of damage. Oh, actually, let me double check the resistance. Oh, fuck. So uh, as these uh, bolts come uh, uh, gliding across the air, we see that they have a glitchy static quality to them as they uh, hit the beast. And uh, the first one uh, essentially creates a hole in its lower abdomen, and uh, the next one hits it right in the eye. And now this creature has uh, one eye that's uh, looking around to see uh, uh, who the hell just did that. All right, that's the end of his turn. This creature's pissed off. And you know what? I I don't think they know how your Equinite functions, so he's going to attempt to get out of reach. So you can take that attack of opportunity. No, I can't. No, you can't? Okay. Oh, it's because of uh, what you did before. Gotcha. Yeah, I I I already used my reaction, so. (laughs) All right. This guy's going to come right back to you as you are the primary target for this creature. He's going to try to fuck your shit up with two slashes. 18 misses. Okay, 18 is a miss. Fuck me, come on. And 10 also misses. Give me something, God. No, ah, no, no, that, that, both of those are misses. So he goes in and uh, really carves up the stone. He really should probably take up the profession of being a goddamn sculptor rather than a fighter. Um, <laughs> You know, I really like your vision, bruh. <laughs> Alunia, it's your turn. Uh, I'm just going to... Kind of hold up my shield ahead of me and kind of make it seem like I'm going to hit him in the face with it. But then my spear is going to disappear from my hand and it's going to come out uh, just where his knee is and from the side pierce through. Oh my god. If it can. Yeah, if it can. Target the creature, then make an attack. Uh, Restrained is not advantage. Restrained offers advantage. Yeah. Roll with advantage. Why hit? I was going to roll my d4. Okay. So uh, for that attack, no. Not with the 15. Yeah, the creature has zero speed. Disadvantage uh, attacks. Yeah. As disadvantage on rolls against you, you have advantage against it. And has disadvantage on dexterity saves. Fuck my life. So it's a 16 hit. Yes, a 16 is a hit. Roll that damage. Nine force damage. Thank you, thank you. And that is my turn. I will stay with Yeah. Fucking hell. It. Let's see where we're at right now. It is the next creature's turn. The one that just got fucked up big time. Oh. It, it's going to try to make a strength save. It's going to spend its turn doing that. Fuck my life with the seven. Uh, I was just going to say it takes damage from the fire. How much? Um, let me roll damage. Thank you. All right. Takes three damage. Hey, you're really fucking up this thing. All right. Seer, it's your turn. All right. Um, is there a nice rock somewhere? There is a lot of rocks everywhere. In fact, like, everything you see on the map is right next to you. So, is there, like, a two-pound rock? Yes. Cool. I launch it at the creature. Okay. Target onto the creature. Do catapult. It is a saving throw. Okay, thank you. DC 18. Okay, right to this creature. Yeah, fuck my life. And it rolled a nine. All right. 15 bludgeoning. Jesus! Uh, spell makes it magical. Fucking hell. 
And I also will ram the sphere as my bonus action into it. Okay, roll damage. Or is it dexterity save again? I don't know. It should be a dex save again. Yep, thank you. I believe it's 18, so I'll make the same one for the catapult. Actual pass, thank God. You are rolling with disadvantage, aren't you? No, I didn't. Fuck my life. There you go. Yeah, the the DM conveniently forgot about the disadvantage. I think I'll take half a pass. <laughs> okay. It's going to take a quarter of the damage. Roll it. Oh, fuck. Two points. Yeah, two points. It's something. Like, he is bloodied. You just see that... Uh, well, actually, no. He is singed. He is burnt to crisp. There is... All the wounds that he has are cauterized by this fire. Uh, I was going to say, is it possible for me to get around this little invisible thing? Get around? Uh... I was hoping I could get to this side. Make me, if you want to, make me an acrobatics and make it a 14. Just because it's not clear, um, you're, you're just doing a careful jump over. You're asking a lot for me with a 14. Yeah, because like that entire area right there is just like a... Okay, there we go. With the 20. Um, Yep, right there. Perfect. And I will end my turn there. Okay. Move on to the next person. That'd be Ed, Edward Eddie Hayes. What's up, my dude? Yeah, I think just to make things just like uh, doubly confusing for this creature and maybe just to be a little bit annoying. Uh, Thank you. That's exactly what I want. Gonna use his bonus action to Eddie Port. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> oh fuck my life! I mean, he get. I mean, he gets his other friend back. Yeah, great. He's just gonna be pinging back and forth trying to attack each Eddie. And then, and then Eddie himself is going to fire his uh, his Eddie blast at it. First attack. Oh my God! Yeah, we already know that hits. Yeah. Then I might as well fire the second one now. There's the only a 13. 13, yay! Yay! Fucking great. Make that damage roll. Right. This is going to include uh, four bludgeoning. All right. Okay. 15 damage. And it gets to, like, uh, be pushed back 10 feet. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, There is a wall uh, directly east, right? Like, straight east? Yeah, a straight line, too. <laughs> yep. He, he will hit the wall. And just for shits and giggles, roll me a 1d6. Now, I'm only going to allow it for uh, this one just because there's a little bit of distance. Okay. He takes uh, four bloodshed damage resisted, which is two, as we see like him leave an imprint onto the wall. Like, uh, flavor this up for me because he just went through Shadow Eddie. Yeah, it was just like, uh, just like uh, one minute, like Eddie's just kind of there, and just uh, then suddenly, like, uh, like the, the telltale. Like a sudden disappearance of normal Eddie, like being replaced with Smoky Eddie as the two trade places once again, and the smoke around like uh, regular Eddie as he appears in the spot where Smoky Eddie used to be, just suddenly like uh, blasts out and <laughs> knocks into the creature, and then Smoky Eddie kind of like just like opens up in the middle, just so that like basically like a, like cartoonishly with a hole, so that the uh, the creature can just go straight right through it. And then, like, opens back or closes back up. Hell yes. All right. It is the gnome's turn. Uh, there is a big motherfucker right next to him. I'll use my halo spores. Okay. So that's my reaction. Uh, DC 12 consti uh, constitution. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, he somehow failed and he was blessed. 
um, which I should be rolling constitution checks for. Hang on. How many times do you get hit? One time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. That in mind. I really need to put the concentrating condition on him. There we go. Constitution save. Or sorry, it should have been check. But the roll is high enough to pass. All right. Okay. With that out of the way. Um, big ass tree monster. Three damage. Three necrotic damage. Making another save. Oh, really fucking high. That's uh, a 26. Um, shitballs, monkey. Um, your immediate threat. You're right in front of him. We see, like, uh, electricity begin to uh, uh, form around him as he sends out a little bit of lightning your way. Make me a dexterity DC 16 uh, saving throw. Dr. Octocomopus, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. It's one of my favorite old memes. 16, fuck my life. Oh, God damn it. I'm fairly certain that's just half damage. Uh, creature takes uh, 18, half as much. Yep. Fuck. All right, lightning damage. You're taking it. Uh, half of 26, 13. I believe that is it. He is scared of you. And I think what he's going to do, um, he is going to try to uh, fucking book it all the way to dodge as uh, he tries to move out of your reach. You can take that attack of opportunity if you want. Already used my reaction. Good. You guys keep using up your reaction, so that's uh, five feet. 25, 30, going underneath another tree as he tries to get away from you. Um, Next. Okay, so I will... That'll... That 30 feet will put me right next to him. Assuming that's not on top. Mm. Yep, it will put him right next to you. Okay, and with that, I will bonus action rage. Okay. Eddie answer or DM answer. Can can you do, can a shove be like, like a pull so I could throw him behind me versus pushing him forward? I believe it's uh, in a direction. I don't believe it falls your token. Yeah, if you want to move a target behind you that's more of a grapple and then move him there yourself i was just trying to grab his arm and then throw him behind me off the cliff jesus okay uh, did you already use your main action no i haven't used my main action look if you want to yeah we can do like a uh yeah we can do a grapple check in the caveat would be like a you throwing him off the fucking cliff side how's that sound i like that okay we're going to rule cool this shit. All right. So let's make a uh, contest here, please. Athletics with advantage. Or no. I always forget. It's um, dexterity with advantage. Right, Mega? Well, no, you, no, you're raging right now. So you do have advantage on your athletics checks. And he is going to make an acrobatics here. That was a very piss poor roll. And so was yours. Jesus. <laughs> an eight and five. And he still managed to succeed. All right, flavor this up for me, and I'll let him drop. So chasing the little gremlin as he is hiding from tree to tree, I figured he wanted to be away from his summons, so I wanted to bring him a little closer. So uh, as he's running away from me, I grab the back of his shirt and just tug as hard as I can, and as he as he gets pulled past me, I let go. And he falls off the cliff. All right. Uh, every 10 feet of uh, falling is 1d6, if memory serves me right, so that'd be 3d6. All right. You want to do the honors? 13 damage. 
no resistance to the damage, so. Mm. Yep, he falls, has to make a constitution save, or concentration check. Uh, 12 barely passed as he uh, tumbles down, and uh, you hear a sharp crack, but he's still alive. Uh, I assume that's the end of your turn? Well, no, because I still got some movement. I got 10 feet of movement. Okay. Do you jump off as well? Yeah, I'm going to try to land on top of him. Okay. I believe it is a... God, I need to look up the rules for uh, landing another creature's space. But uh, roll me that uh, damage for yourself, 3d6. Just keep in mind when you take uh, uh, damage from a fall, like you do fall prone. (laughs) That's fine. We'll both be prone. (laughs) Be snuggle buddies. Okay, I believe it's uh, dexterity uh, uh, 15. I don't believe prone affects dexterity saves off the top of my head. Got to make sure he actually... Yeah, got to make sure he's actually prone. Let's see. Yep, prone. All right, and let's make that uh, dexterity save here. Are you fucking serious? Yes, I I believe he takes half the damage if memory serves me right. Okay, DC 15, impactful. Any damage from the fall is divided evenly between them. Okay. So if I have resistance to what would be bludgeoning, right? You, you take half the damage from your fall, hang on, and half of that. So uh, what, what was your roll for uh, the damage? Four? Four. <laughs> Four fucking damage. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so he takes half of that, two. You take half of that and half of that again, which is one. Congratulations. But yeah, animate that section for me as well. So as I have let go of him behind me and I hear a sharp crack on the, what appears to be a lot lower than where I am, I turn around and see him laid prone on the ground as I take a leap and tuck my legs into my arms. I drop down on the little dude cannonball. It is Gene's turn. He's going to help do a little bit of cleanup here. Make sure to make these rolls with advantage. Yeah, one of them's hit with uh, the first grave bolt. 14 damage, Jesus. And going in for the last one. Nope. As a failure on both of them, we see like the first shot basically like twist his neck and we hear again another snapping of the neck, but this one more real. As uh, Luya, you see, much like Stewie Griffin turning his head to the side, it's like at a nice like uh, uh, 40 degree angle, maybe 50. As ears pointed towards the ground, other uh, ears pointed towards the sky, and it still looks like it's alive. Very creepy. It is. The other creature's turn that's in front of uh, Eddie. Fuck me. Uh, it's going to attack the first thing in its path towards Eddie. <laughs> Shouldn't. Ah, fuck. Yeah. First, he's going to try to go around. So, five, ten, and attack of opportunity as he tries to go for the 15th. All right. For those not in the know, I'm using Warcaster to do this. It's like, uh, yeah. All right, we'll have number one. Okay, that's a miss. And the second one. All right, second one's a hit. Do damage. Oh God. Uh, was the bludgeoning included in there? Uh, no, that only happens on my turn. Uh, but but yeah, it takes ten force damage and. Uh, I guess that goes to say hello to Smokey Eddie again. You motherfucker. Uh, roll me a 1d6. Oh, yeah, like, based on the, uh... Based on everything, like, you basically, yeah, just winds up right back where you started. Yep. Roll me that 1d6, and... In Looney Tunes fashion. Yeah. Okay, if memory serves me right, 510. 
Uh, didn't take the final movement when proccing the attack of opportunity. Gets pushed back. So he used up 10 movements so far. Jesus. Yeah, he used 10 movements so far. Follow the path again until he gets to fucking Eddie. Moving the rest of his movement. He is really pissed off. There's literal smoke coming from his nose, and you're not sure if it's from his uh, your attacks or like the sulfurs of hell and brimstone. He is going to lay down two uh, claw attacks right on you. And that one, that one, fucking hell, and natural 20. Goes around, comes around. Uh, ain't bullshit. Uh, no, I don't have a reaction anyway. <laughs> okay. We'll hit. 2d4. Let me make sure I actually did it correctly. It looks like it did. For a pitiful 14 damage, if you want to deduct that from your uh, uh, health, please. Oh. Hey, be careful. You almost got the nipple ring. God damn it. Yeah, we see like a slash. Your clothes tear open a little bit. Looks a little sexy. Uh, and that ends his turn. Aluya, the creature right in front of you is practically dead. You want to finish this thing off? Got an advantage. Yeah. Uh, John doesn't go first. Sean? Gene? Gene's mom? No, 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 no. He did. He did. That's how he ended up so badly hurt. So she's just going to bring out her spear again, look at the creature, say, now you see it, it's gonna go away, now you don't. It's gonna come out to, say for funsies, out from the ground going up. Make that attack. Yeah, a 20 is a hit. Alright, that's 10 damage. Alright, force. Ugh, how do you kill it? So, it comes out from the ground and it just shoots straight up at him, and now he just kind of looks like shish kebab mm-hmm. and when he falls over he can't even like slump he just kind of falls aside and then when he's down I'll bring the spear back to me okay alright that's one down anything else on your turn do you move because there's a spear in your way uh, no nah, I'll stay I'll stay with my little spear buddy <laughs> see here, it's your turn alright murder approaches for some creatures this one's dead so or not dead I forget Regardless, I'm catapulting the one by Eddie. Let me give it a target. Yep, give it a target. And then I'm going to shoot it with another catapult. DC 18. Uh, no. 17 on the roll, 20. All right. Nice. Save or suck or half damage? It sucks. Yeah, damn right it does. Anything else on your turn? I slammed the creature by Aluya with a ball. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that ends your turn then? Let me see the damage. Just because it that thing's dead is totally I'm, dead. Yep. I'm just slamming it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You <laughs> make sure it doesn't come back. I don't know if it's covered in you know it's the zombrium. Oh, funny you do mention that. Like as you do cover it with fire, you do see from its insides like those uh, thorny vines that you become so accustomed to begin to writhe and burn up and die. It seems like uh, this could be one of the factors with this uh, creature that you've been seeing. That's why I thought to burn it. Yeah, and you're burning it. Uh, give yourself inspiration. Fuck you. I'm Yay. glad that at no point did I actually make physical contact with this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hoping you guys would just leave the corpses alone, but of course you guys can't leave a goddamn corpse alone. Not on my Eddie, watch. it is your fucking turn. What the hell do you do? Well, this, uh... You know, this is becoming increasingly Looney Tunes. As, uh, now you see him. <laughs> now you don't. 
I'm so glad I fucking made that. It looks so cool just seeing it. So just like, uh, just like once again, just like, I just want to imagine those creatures just like, finally got him, finally got him. Wait, where's that smell coming from again? <laughs> and uh, we're going to fire uh, another Eddie Blast. Do attack and damage. All right, attack number one. Okay, as a hit. And attack number two. There it is. That is also miraculously a fucking hit. What the hell? All right, the first damage roll is going to uh, include the bludgeoning. Ugh. All right, eight damage. And then the second one. Yeah, six damage. It is nearly dead. Uh, sounds as good a time as any for an action surge. Uh, kind of just see if we can actually just actually finish it off. <laughs> hmm. God fucking damn it. Yes, that's a hit. My boy, what are you doing to my poor boy? Here, I'll, I'll go ahead and roll the damage just in case it's enough. Oh, God. Oh, one more good, practically one more good hit, and he's dead. The average damage you're fucking doing. And I'll make that last attack roll. That's yeah, as a hit. As a hit. How do you kill it? Yeah, so just like, uh, once again, just like, uh, as I said, like, uh, very Looney Tunes-esque, as like the two suddenly swap places again. And then, like, uh, Smokey Eddie, just, like, uh, getting really tired of this shit, like, summons all of the smoke around Eddie as, like, four smoke balls start to appear behind him, like, uh, uh, Shiva-style. And, like, suddenly, like, blast, 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 knocking this creature, what would be, by all accounts, 40 feet in a direction until it runs into a tree and completely turns to ash. Goddamn. And anything else on your turn? Uh, just kind of like looks back over uh, in the uh, the direction of the gnome. Sorry about your pets. Mm -hmm. All right. It is the gnome's turn on the ground back against like the boulder. His hands are up and just goes, I, I, I surrender uh, white flag. I parlay and hands are up. We see the tree before him. We see all the combatants. We see the uh dead demons and we see the uh, uh writhing vines of uh or i should say the ash of uh, uh the demon that uh eddie killed and i think i kind of want to end it there this has been house common blood the intro and outro music is oh my dog by savik and any other music and sound effects used in the episode are royalty free credits can be found in the episode description please review us on whatever podcast listening app you happen to be using and if you like us tell other people word of mouth is the best way for us to grow thank you for joining us hope to see you soon